Section 8 of The National Geographic Magazine, Volume 10, February 1899. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Abayi in August 2021. Manila and the Philippines by Major A. Falkner von Sonnenburg, Imperial German Army late military attaché at manila after admiral dewey's splendid victory at cavite the neutral powers sent their ships as quickly as possible to manila bay it was expected that the quiet waters of the capital of the philippines would become in the near future the scene of great military and naval activity and that many still doubtful questions in modern warfare would there find a practical answer it was only by chance that germany had at that time a relatively strong squadron at hand on the eastern station the territory acquired in china only a few months before had made it necessary to assemble there two cruiser divisions and as the news of the complete annihilation of the spanish fleet became known the admiral of one of these divisions had to go down from the chinese and japanese seas to the philippines the division was at that time engaged in drill and training in evolutions and target practice and so it is easily to be understood that the division commander would not wish to divide his squadron but on the contrary would be glad of the opportunity to make use of the trip down to manila for training and evolutionary purposes i do not believe that any order of the german government had been given to assemble a strong squadron at manila i understand that the leader of the division who is fully responsible for the training of his men had in this regard an absolutely free hand as is usual in our navy and army but besides these purely technical reasons it was to be considered that hundreds of our countrymen who lived outside of manila scattered over the philippine islands as traders planters or engineers might be in a very dangerous position the insurrection of the filipinos against the spanish rule had become general and rumors were heard that all the small ports like iloilo in the different islands each of which contained a few of our countrymen were besieged by the insurgents and that their lives and property were in the greatest danger under these circumstances it was to be expected that after the arrival of the squadron in manila bay ships had to be detached and sent to the small ports to look after the safety of our countrymen and the women and children of other nations it was to be expected that of the five ships which were first concentrated in manila bay two or three would be always at sea patrolling the islands and visiting the places which were said to be in imminent danger from the tagals the two powers at war america and spain could not do that the former had to remain in front of manila in her full strength and could not make detachments for purely humanitarian purposes and the latter was so broken down by the fall of cavite that she could hardly look after such matters but there was still another reason for concentrating the division of admiral von diederichs in manila bay one worthy of special interest and consideration 
by such concentration on the quiet and well-protected waters of marvetes bay near corregidor the release from the navy of more than one thousand seven hundred trained men from the different ships the embarking and discharging of necessary cargoes of ammunition and provisions for the men and officers could be easily done in a few days whereas without concentration it would have taken many weeks on june twenty ninth eighteen ninety eight the german naval division of admiral von diederichs had finished that work the admiral had sent home one thousand seven hundred of his old well-trained sailors and gunners he had sent home two-thirds of his best and most experienced officers and men who had been with him three years on the asiatic station he had replaced them with recruits with men who had had only three months land drilling who had never been on board a man-of-war before who had never fired a gun who were to be the sailors and gunners of coming years but were inexperienced at this critical time and now may i ask the question whether any responsible flag officer would or could do that if he had had the slightest idea or belief or wish or intention or instructions to meet an adversary in the near future it was a tropical hot midday of june when i received my first impressions on manila and manila bay on board the german cruiser princess wilhelm we passed first the high and wonderfully situated island of corregidor which commands the two passages into the interior of the wide bay and on top of which powerful american fortifications may be erected in later days next the peninsula of cavite on our right came nearer and nearer and soon the tops of the masts of the american fleet behind it became visible not only these but also the wrecks of the sunken spanish ships came into view the victorious american fleet was anchored on the watery battlefield and the spoils of her glorious fighting lay between her and the shore in front just before the city of manila was a great squadron of neutral ships there were three german two french two british and one japanese men of war while between them were anchored chartered steamers full of refugees of the respective nationalities which admiral dewey's humanitarian warfare and broad-mindedness had allowed to be brought out of the besieged town the only condition being that the spanish vessels had to fly the flags of the respective countries which were responsible for their return to the american authorities after the surrender of the town behind the neutral fleet whose size was changed almost every day by incoming or outgoing ships the churches and towers of manila still four miles away rose one by one out of the sea and then the palm and banana trees and the bamboo jungles became visible enclosing like another green ocean the lower houses and buildings of the old city far away the delicate blue line of high ranges of hills bordered this wonderful tropic picture with its warlike foreground but peace seemed to rule everywhere on the beach the steam launches of the neutral men-of-war rushed to and fro carrying officers in white tropical dress who were making or returning calls boat drill was going on 
and the yards of the neutral ships were hung with the laundry of their crews small tagal sailing boats alongside the men of war were bargaining with stewards about the price of fruits and vegetables sometimes a vessel flying a strange and hitherto unknown triangular flag crossed the waters of the bay from cavite to malabon filled with dark men the filipinos under their new colours when the moon rose in her full tropical grandeur over the darkening sea when the electric lights shone here and there on the great iron and steel structures which rocked quietly in the phosphorescent waters of the bay like big whales then flashed out the searchlights of the american fleet over from cavite then could you also see the dark red fireballs of exploding shells near malate and hear the continuous crackling of musketry then you knew that there was war that another of the filipino night attacks was going on and that again men were losing their lives in the bamboo jungles and rice fields round manila from the refugee steamers nearby the sound of spanish guitars swept over the quiet sea and silvery clear voices of girls could be heard and merry laughter there they danced their national dances the andalusiana and castiliana on the dirty decks of the vessels lighted perhaps by only one smoky oil lamp while officers of the different navies formed the enthusiastic audience of the graceful performers many a different picture was to be seen in the besieged town manila itself the deep pasig river running down from the large lake laguna de bay to the sea divides the town into two parts differing in their inhabitants their buildings their social life and indeed in almost everything to the left of the river is the old town intramuros this purely spanish town is surrounded by the walls of the fortress and covers a space of perhaps three-quarters of a mile square here the conquering spaniards first settled three hundred years ago massive stone buildings including the government house the archbishop's palace monasteries and cathedrals line the narrow dirty streets and squares in which you meet scarcely any one but monks soldiers and dark proud officials there is no modern quick-running life in that medieval town there are no shops no offices no trade one-third of all the buildings are the property of the church or of the different orders of monks and another third is composed of the government houses and military establishments having passed the dark fortress doors and the sleepy sentries before them you feel in a foreign long past world here is the residence of that administration which believed that it could still be possible in our time to separate a gifted native population of more than seven millions from all that modern culture had produced from this place issued those ominous decrees which prohibited the importation of any books or papers for the natives which had not the sanction of the church and did not allow the poor man to raise more than one crop of rice a year for his own sustenance even to prevent his coming to want here was settled that division of the whole island of luzon between the four enormously wealthy and powerful orders of augustinians dominicans 
franciscans and de recollets and the government could only silently approve such an arrangement knowing well that in that country it could rule only by and through the omnipotent monks like that of medieval lords their rule was autocratic and absolute an iron regime not only for the natives but for every government official who might have dared to cross the ways of the priestly lords since the days when the pious spanish discoverer holding in one hand the sword and in the other the cross took possession of these islands three hundred long years ago has lasted this terrible misrule over this unfortunate people but at last the reaction against that incredibly anachronistic administration took place a highly gifted young tagale educated in europe and having great poetical talent was able by his songs and poems to excite his countrymen against the spanish rule and when some years ago that man was arrested by the government and shot without trial on the luneta in manila the filipinos began their first insurrection against the hated priest government terrible atrocities were committed at that time on both sides and there was hard fighting too but at last the spanish government succeeded in overcoming the more open resistance but the fire was not extinguished a secret society the katipuna spread its membership over the whole island of luzon preparing another surprise the murdered poet had acquired the fame of a national hero and martyr and mysterious tales were told in all the tagali villages that he lived still in the mountains in the interior to come down at the right moment to take the leadership of his people in the great fight for independence and then the second insurrection began the terrible scenes of cruelty were repeated but again without any decisive result a sort of armistice was arranged at the end of eighteen ninety seven between the young tagali leader aguinaldo and the spaniards and this continued until the beginning of the recent american-spanish war and the glorious battle of cavite strange tales indeed these time-blackened government buildings in intramuros can tell they know many things about a flourishing japanese colony that existed two hundred years ago in manila town thirty thousand industrious japanese once filled the streets of the old city and the best regiments of the spanish government in those olden times were composed of japanese warriors but the narrow-mindedness and intolerance of the spanish rulers drove out the followers of buddha the japanese warriors the samurais and the industrious and able workmen left this unfriendly and inhospitable country at the same time and that long sleep began which was to end at last with the thunder of admiral dewey's guns but we will leave the old haunted town it is an unwholesome place full of evil spirits and horrible memories we will pass the pasig river with its resting blockaded ships and enter the modern city of binondo full of life and traffic and of the great business houses of the white man the streets are crowded with spanish voluntarios who are very conspicuous in their swell uniforms filling all the cafes and beer-houses 
the spanish volunteers seemed to me to have quite a different opinion about their military duties from that held by the americans the former refused with indignation to do duty in the trenches outside the town they declared to the captain-general that they were not willing to do such poor plain private soldiers work and that they preferred only to make the guard routine in the interior of the city and with old castilian pride they have done that tiresome but rather safe work i found the public buildings in binondo occupied by strong detachments of well-dressed well-nourished and well-armed young men who helped themselves through the hardships of the war by playing cards and smoking innumerable cigarettes we will leave them to their innocent doings inside the town and walk to the circle of the widely extended suburbs of ermita and malate the more we advance the more the character of the streets changes no more the crowd of people playing at soldiering no more the symptoms of untroubled safety the streets become absolutely empty all the shutters of the houses are hermetically sealed and the whistling of passing mauser bullets can be heard sometimes they strike the walls of the brick country houses of the wealthy manila people with a short dry noise or perforate the miserable bamboo huts of the natives the only living beings you can see are small bodies of spanish regulars marching carelessly in the middle of the enfiladed road to the ill-famed trenches they look haggard and worn out but they are brave men and do not care for whistling bullets silent dull and hopeless as are these poor unfortunate privates and their subaltern officers of the front they do their duty scrupulously for three months they have lived in the trenches they sleep there they eat there they fight there and they are buried there the spanish forces are widely extended around the suburbs of the town in a circle of sixteen miles no carefully regulated relief service is in operation and all military preparations give the impression of improvisations in the trenches it is still worse the low ground has prevented the making of deep ditches as water appears at a depth of from two to three feet and so it was found necessary to bring out sandbags and by other artificial means get the necessary height for the covering breastwork careless of the danger from whistling bullets are the spanish soldiers lying in those miserable entrenchments apathetic everywhere no activity not even the wish or the will to improve the very imperfect shelter such was the general impression upon a military expert and the tropical sun sends down its fiery arrows to the marshy land with its numberless small creeks and water ditches and brews there the worst enemy of the soldier sickness a marshy ground tropical vegetation jungles of bamboo and swampy rice-fields are the condition of the land that the spanish military leaders had to deal with thus modern long-range firearms can be used to their full effect only under very rare circumstances the view is nearly always limited to a hundred yards or less and is never so extended as to make the full use of such arms possible the artillery is practically speaking absolutely dependent upon the very bad roads 
driving across the fields as in european or american battlefields is almost impossible for the same reasons which do not allow the use of the higher sights of the rifles the artillery fire can never develop that overpowering strength which we attribute to it in modern warfare the batteries must therefore unlimber within the best range of the rifle shots so that casualties in the artillery may be considered as disproportioned to its real effect that cavalry in such a country had to remain nearly always in the rear and that even reconnaissances are in most cases better performed by infantry is easily to be understood in brief the character of the country seems to be almost ideal for the kind of warfare which military men call guerrilla fighting only a very methodical and slow warfare gives reliable and enduring results blockhouses must be built from one line to the next fortified points must be constructed on all river passages and strategical points if the inhabitants of a large country make a serious and continued resistance spain had never taken such absolutely necessary military measures and only in view of this can it be understood that with every tagal insurrection the whole interior of the country was in the hands of the insurgents and spanish rule was reduced to the maintenance of the seaports round the islands the chronic want of money and perhaps also of energy the influence of the monks and friars who may have been jealous of seeing another influence than their own established in the interior of all these islands gives explanation enough of the fact that the spanish rule has never been powerful in that country but a stronger more energetic and more gifted race with unlimited financial resources may do in the future all that the former masters failed to do in three centuries if the spanish government was weak from the military point of view it was not less so from the standpoint of diplomacy in the conciliation and real pacification of the filipino natives only one religious order succeeded with its incomparable knowledge of the human heart with its fine psychological and diplomatic means in being loved and esteemed by native and government alike if the friars and the various orders of monks were hated with all the energy of a long oppressed race the refined padres and monsignores of the famous society of the jesuits remained immune from all these savage feelings they had understood that it was not the priest in his religious capacity but the priestly lord the priestly landowner who excited the filipinos and so the jesuits never tried to accumulate property in the interior they built up a magnificent scientific observatory with the most valuable instruments of astronomy seismology magnetism and meteorology they connected their observatory with all the other meteorological stations in the far east and saved by their prompt warnings hundreds of lives and millions of dollars when war times came over the country thousands of poor homeless and sick tagali men women and children found a home in the wide courts and arcades of the jesuits colleges they had formed a safeguard of miserables for their own safety with this praiseworthy mercy 
they could be sure that they would remain undisturbed in their scientific work although between the fighting lines the same men that lived in the refined atmosphere of the highest intellectuality understood the necessity of mercy the same scrutinizing eyes that read every morning the tales of the self-registering instruments understood also human nature and human hearts and they have given to the former rulers of the islands a noble lesson they have taught them that there are things in the world other than guns they have taught them the eternal truth that science knowledge is and shall be power end of section eight end of the national geographic magazine volume ten february eighteen ninety nine